0: back to another episode of The Burning Veil podcast. I'm your host Gideon and we are joined once again by my co-host. Hey, I'm Chris. Good to be back. It is nice to have you back. No matter how much we we all
1: adore and love Constance. It's it's nice to have oh, you Constance back, sir. Oh, Constance is great. We love Constance. Constance is awesome. But yes, I had a I had a family vacation to attend down in uh, Panama City Beach, Florida got some sun, got sunburnt and did some snorkeling, hung out with some fishes. And uh it was great, had a great time.
0: Awesome. I am still slightly salty that you did not uh detour 6 hours to come see me, but uh, oh, yeah, sorry. It is what it is. There's One always day, another brother. trip. One
1: day we'll 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 work it out. We'll work it out. There's always another trip. Um, <laughs> hey, anytime you come to Atlanta, make sure you uh you let me know. Absolutely, definitely. I, and I, I highly might. recommend it, too, because Atlanta's a really cool city.
0: I disagree in so many ways, but that's mostly because <laughs> of traffic.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you can see past the traffic and go do some really cool stuff, like visit the World of Coke and, you know, go to CNN and all that cool stuff, there is a lot of really cool stuff to do here. Yeah, Six there, Flags, there is. Six Flags, definitely.
0: Six Flags is awesome. Uh, absolutely. I've never been to a Six Flags in my life, but yeah. I hope you like roller coasters. I, I always we always went as kids for the summer. We always went to Valdosta to mm. Wild Adventures. Gotcha. So that was my childhood. But um, as the title of the episode suggests, we are doing strange and creepy Mississippi.
1: Ooh, I've been waiting for this one. Chris has
0: been foaming at the mouth for this <laughs> one for like three weeks.
1: No, those are the hellhounds Bowman at the mouth. You'll you'll get the reference later when I share my story about it.
0: Yeah, definitely. He's got one story that he asked me pretty, pretty, please, very nicely not to do. And I really, really wanted to. And he took it from me and beat me with a lead pipe. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Um, I I gave this one to him because he is so fired up and excited about it. So I figured, you know what? I'll find a couple more. And oh, boy, did I find a couple weird ones.
1: Oh, I'm sure there's I, I you know, there's there's way more than that. This is Mississippi we're talking about here. I, I did not expect Mississippi to be so weird. I totally expected <laughs> it to be super weird.
0: <laughs> I I did not. Like, uh, this isn't one of my stories, but I found a story of the Mississippi National Guard training and getting an outbreak of chlamydia. And Ugh. then and then it's spreading And each soldier went their way for their leave, and it ended up being tracked in all 50 states, even Hawaii and Alaska. (laughs) They ended up with a confirmed case from one of those men. Wow. Welcome to Mississippi. (laughs) (laughs) That is, like, unfathomable.
1: Like, how do you manage that? I, what i I think I'm more impressed with the fact that they were able to track it to all fifty states. It's like, how do you do that? I mean As people someone goes someone
0: me. someone goes to the doctor and begins to review their their history of um, relations over the past six to twelve months. And the last person before my la, la- before my last checkup, the last person was this national guardsman, like, yeah, okay and here's the National Guardsman's name. All right, yeah, he's from Mississippi, and then so on and so forth, in all 50 states,
1: apparently. Apparently, the National Guard in Mississippi, they're a bunch of hoes. I never <laughs> realized that. <laughs> or at least they were in the, you know, in the story. Uh,
0: yeah, but then again, this is, like, just as the National Guard was starting to revamp after, I think it was, like, the 80s in Mississippi. I think it was, like, the 80s. Which is even more impressive to me that they managed to track it in the '80s. Wow, like that's that's just impressive.
1: <laughs> so is that so? That's when that that takes place is in the '80s, correct? Yes, yes. Uh. From from the stories that I could find.
0: So why don't you go ahead and do your fired
1: up story? <laughs> Well, let me ask you something. Um, You're a musician, correct? Yes, I am. You're a fan of the guitar? I am a fan, but I do not play. (laughs) You do not play guitar. You play bass. Bass is your thing. Okay. Bass and singing. Do you have a favorite guitar hero? Like the game
0: or like a person?
1: No, no, like a person, not like the game. Forget the game. We're not talking about the game.
0: Okay, I would definitely say it's either uh, Peter Frampton or, Ooh, um, yeah, right. Just because the fact that he can make his guitar sing to you—that's uh-huh. just impressive. Yeah,
1: he's the guy that started that whole singing guitar thing, which is yes. freaking amazing. It's, it's either I'm Peter Frampton,
0: so. it's either Peter Frampton or Jimi Hendrix, because Jimi Hendrix Ooh, is just a is god it. among men on oh, the guitar.
1: Shoot, yes, matter I got of good fact, taste. I'm glad you said. I'm glad you said Jimi Hendrix because. Um, just before Jimi Hendrix, he had a bunch of the cats from England, like all the guys that were in the band called the Yardbirds, like Jimmy Page and yeah, Eric Clapton and uh, who else? Yeah, the British Invasion. Yeah, and well, actually, you know, they were they were all guitar gurus, right? And um, Eric, I I believe it was Eric Clapton and who's the guy from the Rolling Stones? Keith Richards. Keith Um, Richards. Yeah, they got together. Drug. Yeah,
0: right. (laughs) I I got a joke about that.
1: They got together in a theater after Keith Richards saw Jimi Hendrix and Keith Richards told Eric Clapton, look, he said, I just saw this guy that's going to put us all out of a job. I mean, just mind-blowing. But there is one thing that all the the guitarists that we just talked about have in common. They have their roots in the blues. And specifically into... um, Specifically, they have their roots into an artist named Robert Johnson from Hazelhurst, Mississippi. Hang on, uh, I lost my spot here. <laughs> but um, was he from Hazelhurst? Sorry, my computer acted up. It just—has you your computer ever like blinked on you and like you just lost where you were at? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, all right, give me a second. But yeah, they were all influenced by Mississippi Delta blues, specifically from Robert Johnson. Um Robert Johnson had a very short life. He died at the age of 27. We're going to hint being... into some We're going to oh. hint into some 27 club yeah, uh, I was I was literally here. just yeah. about
0: to say that that he marked the yeah. first the first man in music to ever be a part of the twenty sevens club.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, he lived a very short life. He uh, he died in nineteen thirty eight um, after recording thirty six songs, where he sings about these songs. These thirty six songs are about a certain certain events, certain mythical things. One of those songs is called Hellhound on My Trail. Uh, Another is The Crossroads, where he talks about he went down to the crossroads and made a deal with the devil. Well, the story of Robert Johnson, right, it starts out in a plantation in rural Mississippi. Um, He had a tremendous desire to become a blues musician because the blues at the time was basically was basically within the south amongst the african american community um slavery hadn't been abolished for very long and the the black community that was successful were more like sharecroppers and with jim crow laws and everything it was still very much of an oppressive place and yes blues music blues music was a way for them to I guess, express that artistically. Uh, It was a way to let out emotion about that. Basically everything you get from, from, from music, you know, it's a release. It's a, it's an expression, it's communication. Um, These little, these little, we'll call them nightclubs, uh, but they were called juke joints started popping up all over the South, starting in Mississippi where, musicians of this of this blues music would you know come and perform and they would perform in, in front of the, these small little juke joints would get packed with people you know well one night robert johnson he uh, he wanted god he wanted to be a, like a blues star so bad he comes to one juke joint and there was a guy named sunhouse who was playing sunhouse went on to be a legendary He's a legend in the blues community, but back then he was still, you know, he was, he was really popular, but he was, you know, kind of like the rock star of the time was Sunhouse. So Robert Johnson goes to see Sunhouse play Sunhouse and another guy named Willie Brown, I believe. Um, And, you know, he's enjoying the show. There was a short intermission. Uh, Johnson walks up to Sunhouse. Hey, can I play your guitar? And, you know, while you guys are on intermission, so he Sunhouse was like, okay, sure, go ahead. Just don't break anything. And so Robert Johnson goes up on the stage, starts playing. People start booing him, telling him to put that thing down. Apparently he was he was not a good player whatsoever. He was atrocious. I mean, if you ever listen to somebody who can't play, pick up a guitar and just start trying to play and just it's want it to stop because it's yeah, it's like it's like whales. Pumping, or something like that. It's, it's, it's a graphic, but it's, yeah, it's bad. (laughs) It's more akin to
0: uh, a child trying to play that doesn't know how to play. And it's, I, to me, it's always sounded more like the sound of desperation. Right. And like if you ever hear, hear desperation in, in someone's voice, true, legitimate desperation, that's what someone playing the guitar who does not know how to play sounds like to me. Right. And it
1: wasn't that Robert Johnson didn't know how to play. He knew how to play. He just wasn't good at it. You know, he yeah. knew some of the basics and, you know, he probably even knew how to play a song or two, but he couldn't keep a rhythm. He was playing stuff off notes. He was probably trying to sing and his voice was just Alf kilter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but people were booing him, and somebody walked up to Sunhouse and said, "Hey, get that, get that kid, because he was in his early twenties at the time. Get, he's like 22, I think. Anyway, say get yeah. that kid off that stage because he's running people crazy." Sunhouse came, just basically snatched his guitar and pointed him the way out. And basically said, "Get out." This whole, you can imagine how embarrassing this was for Robert. And you know, as he's walking out, just, you know. But so he walks away and nobody after that night, nobody, nobody hears from him or sees him for about a year and a half, year and a half later, same juke joint, same performers, Sunhouse and, and Willie Brown. I, it, you'll have to fact check me on the Willie Brown. I think it was Willie Brown, but I'm not sure. Um, but it was definitely Sunhouse. You know, they're playing Robert Johnson walks in with his own guitar. And it's fitted with an extra string. So he, you know, he fashioned it, you know, somehow. He waits for the intermission. Sunhouse and Willie Brown, we'll just call him Willie Brown just for the sake of the story. Um, They take their break, their intermission, they go sit down. And Robert Johnson doesn't wait for an invitation or ask permission or nothing. He just goes on stage with his guitar. And he starts playing in such a way that basically steals the show right he's playing accounts say that it sounded like two or three or even four people playing different guitars at the same time robert johnson was just doing this with one with one guitar and people were like there is no way that this kid got that good in that amount of time last time he was up here he you know was driving people nuts and now he's up here just murdering, just killing it. So there was speculation that, that came after that that there's a place nearby called the Crossroads. Crossroads, it, at the time, it was two, two dirt roads. I think it was Highway 61 and Highway 40 or something like that. They're actually There's an actual road, but at the time, they were dirt roads. And the legend has it, you go out there at midnight, out to the Crossroads and whatever it is you want to be good at, in this case, it was the guitar. Robert Johnson brought his guitar out and, you know, started playing it, and all of a sudden, the devil shows up. The devil tuned his guitar, gave the guitar back to him, and handed him a contract. The contract was for his soul. So, it was widely speculated that that's what happened. And, see, the thing is, is the South, especially Mississippi, was very religious and they were very superstitious. So tales of this this meeting at the crossroads began circulating. And Robert Johnson, of course, some of his original songs, Hellhound on My Tail, I Went Down to the Crossroads, things like that. The Devil just, on My Back. You know, yeah, he had another one, The Devil on My Back, and many, many more. Where he he absolutely he's singing about it. And it's just throwing fuel on the fire for this legend. And all of a sudden, this legend just becomes American folklore. Well, what, what further threw way more fuel on this folklore was his death. Um so after after that that performance where he goes and just melts everybody's faces and just like blows everybody away, after that performance, he was able to land a record deal and he went he was able to travel to texas to record those songs record it professionally and of course you know he toured he made his way up to chicago he became like this brilliant iconic blues man and well, when he when, shortly after his 27th birthday apparently hold, he hold made on right a there. pass hold go ahead. on right
0: there real quick um Just to preface, uh, I did my own digging into this before Uh Chris decided to yank it from me. And (laughs) it was not on the tour label, but one of the the men that were traveling with him to Chicago to do his Chicago Grand Tour that you're talking about where he eventually ended up dying. Mm -hmm. The two men that were with him were Sunhouse and Willie Brown.
1: Ah, check it out. So I was right about Willie Brown.
0: (laughs) Yes, it was Willie Brown. Right. um because Willie Brown Jr his, that man's eventual descendant they revived the name later is actually a politician currently Oh okay cool so just fun I fact did not know that, that. but yeah. on their trip to Chicago Sunhouse and uh Robert Johnson were supposedly sitting there and Willie Brown handed him a paper sack while they were on the bus He handed him a paper sack and he asked Robert Johnson asked what's in the sack and he said, every desire a man can have. And Robert Johnson supposedly held his guitar and s- guitar up and said, this is the only desire a man will ever need. But if that's whiskey, I'll take it because my soul has already been damned. <laughs> I might as well have fun while I'm here. Mm. So that added to the legend for Sunhouse and Willie Brown and everybody that was there for that. Yeah. There was small hints and supposedly there's stories of, People that knew him all his life, even his his speech and how he spoke changed after this deal, this supposed deal. So yeah. many things changed. And uh I found another story, I don't know how true it is or not, but before this Chicago grand tour, he took Sunhouse out to this the crossroad where he was where he made hmm. this deal supposedly and told Sunhouse to close his eyes because if you look at the man you must make a deal he said and hmm. he made it he asked and tried to find a way to renege on his deal by giving the guitar back but Sunhouse told him that you're a madman if you do no matter what the what the price is yeah so i don't know how true that story is but i did find a couple different accounts of that
1: there's supposedly many different being told. accounts yeah, there's there's many different accounts. Of course, you know I'm quoting the most popular account, um, but there there's also an account of his death where uh, he's in the bar and he's making a pass at a woman, cute woman, you know. He's he's kind of hitting on her, and but she had a boyfriend, and her boyfriend was at the bar. Her boyfriend actually walks up to him, be like, "Hey, you know, it's it, you know, it's all good, no hard feelings. Let me buy you a drink," and put a couple of drops of cyanide in that drink while while uh, Robert Johnson wasn't looking, and that's apparently what killed him. He did... It is a fact that he died by poisoning. Um, what he was poisoned of, we don't know. Um, what adds to this, this whole fol- folklore is that not much is known about Robert Johnson except, you know, the stories. Um, there's very little... Uh, records kept uh there was very little records kept back then because his parents and grandparents were pretty much former slaves trying to make it you know what i mean um so you know i mean as far as record keeping it's it's hard to fact check some of this because just because of that and uh, for a lot of people that research this all they have is the legend you know (laughs) um yeah, and
0: something else I want to preface here about the cyanide thing. Uh-huh. Cyanide, at the time of the 1930s, the Italian mob was really big. Um, the Russian mafia hadn't started coming over quite yet. Um, they came out, come, started getting really big in the 40s. Um, but they were not really a Chicago thing at the time. Yeah, they were there, but they weren't a big player. The Italians, the Irish, and the English street gangs and mobs were really, really big there, and one of the Irish street gangs was extremely popular in Chicago for a string of 104 murders in 1938 mm-hmm. related to... um a case that was supposed that was going to put one of their leaders in prison, um, and it's been speculated that Robert Johnson, while he was on tour there, saw something he wasn't supposed to, and they took him ah. out. But nothing can ever confirm that. No one's ever said nothing about it. The well, you see, the that's Irish my point right dissolved.
1: there. This, this, that's my point, and it's and things are like that throughout Robert's entire life. Is like nobody can confirm anything. It's you know. There's nothing solid stone, you know, very yeah. little, I should say, is, is the, set in stone.
0: The only thing that we have set in stone is the fact that Robert Johnson born was born and died and the fact that he played the guitar and recorded songs. I think yeah. that if he never would have recorded songs, most people would doubt the man ever existed at all.
1: Exactly. Um, also, I do want to bring up that uh, due to this selling your soul to the devil story, um that actually might not be as fiction as we think because all throughout the south especially Mississippi slaves and then you know later to become former slaves and uh they a lot of them it was widely practiced the 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 religion of hoodoo okay Hoodoo, you probably know a lot more about this than me about hoodoo specifically, but um, some scholars have argued that the devil in the songs and the devil in the in the story. They may not only refer to the Christian figure known as Satan, but also the trickster god of African organ, origin named Legba. Uh, Legba is is a hoodoo. Uh, it comes from the hoodoo religion. He's a figure. He. Um, He's associated with Crossroads. And he's the guy that the, Legba is the guy that you make deals with. If you want desires in life, if you're a practicing hoodooist, you're going to call upon Legba. You're going to meet him at the Crossroads. And you're going to come to him with whatever desire that it is you want out of life. So, and that's a real hoodoo, I guess, hoodooistic. Yes. (laughs) I'm having a, yeah, that's a real hoodooistic. Hoodooist. We'll call it, yeah, we'll call it hoodooist. Um, But that's, you know, that's a real part of hoodooism.
0: Are are we going to reserve um, possible thoughts for now? Or do you want to jump into that? Or do you have more?
1: Oh, no, 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 no. We're just, we're just talking at this point. Um. But, yeah, that is okay. something that the hoodoo thing is something that, uh, yeah, that I wanted to throw in there, too, because there might be some truth to this. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, let's go ahead. <laughs> okay. So, Legba is the Iwa,
0: or the also called the Lo or low e They're basically darker-natured spirits of uh-huh. Haitian voodoo or hoodoo. Um Basically, he's a crossroad messenger
1: mm-hmm.
0: and a deal maker, like you said. In hoodoo, there is a practice that people who practice hoodoo, hoodooists, I guess is what we call it. Um, <laughs> That's what
1: you and I are going to call it for the uh, sake yeah. of the podcast,
0: um, hoodooists. Basically, people who, who practice hoodoo go to a crossroad. And there are one of three ways to summon Legba. Throwing dice, dancing naked, or playing a musical instrument at
1: midnight or just before dawn. Well, that stories, tells me that this story may not be as far-fetched as we think it is. You know? Stories? Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Stories, especially knowing that, that, I'm sorry to cut you off, but especially yeah, knowing that, knowing that it's... Mississippi especially was a hotbed for the practice of hoodoo amongst absolutely you know, the black residents.
0: Absolutely. But um, in hoodoo uh, the stories that people have told is that you will meet a black man. You'll mm-hmm. meet a black man who is always calling himself the devil. Legba is very, very famous in a lot of cult, in a lot of West African culture and, and hoodoo and voodoo in general, as being known as I am the devil. So I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, He'll bestow a desired skill, especially, that is what Legba specializes in, a skill, not knowledge of a skill, the skill itself, such as playing a musical instrument, chanting, singing, singing, Scroll work, which was a really big thing at the time, um, reading, writing, basically. These are these are people that there's no formal education, especially at this point in time. Because to, to, it's a very sad thing to say, but the 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 black community was very oppressed still at this point there was no civil rights yes they right. were freed from slavery but there was especially, no civil rights to
1: speak of especially in mississippi mississippi especially. is known as the worst state for for you know jim crow yes. laws and oppression yes you know
0: but this this devil would require one thing from for this for whatever skill and he would give you as many skills as you asked for if you truly truly desired it you could get 10 20 50 there's records of, of people supposedly getting hundreds of skills from one deal and all that he asks for is your soul your immortal being which is kind of interesting because as of according to hoodoo there's not really much about your soul in traditional hoodoo or voodoo that they they don't really look at it as a soul like in the point of christianity or 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 catholicism or different other religions they they don't believe in a soul per se they believe in your energy and but they also believe that your energy will restore itself if you're in the right areas if you're doing the right thing so selling your energy selling your soul to them is it's whatever because i'm getting a skill out of this it'll come back is what they believe so it's kind of interesting that they they would have this this deity that this entity that tries to buy something you don't believe in that's a a big question mark for me And that gets down to Mm -hmm. um, something that I wasn't originally going to go this route, but I really feel like it's kind of important. Um, Me and Chris, both men of faith, we've talked about this many, many times. A lot of people don't believe that the devil will make a deal with you. Yes, he will.
1: Yes, he will.
0: Yes, he will. And I'm not talking about boom, shakalaka, Faustian, here's a scroll, a man in front of you. No, 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 no. He will make a deal with you. Um, my father has told me that at various different points in his life, the devil tried to make deals with him. And at one point in time, because he used to love the country music scene still does. I still do. He said he was listening to country music and he had the thought in his mind. I wish I could play and sing like that. And he said that the devil spoke to him and told him, I can make, I can make you famous like that. And he said, no trying to turn it around and be positive. He said, no, I think I'd rather be a, a, a great gospel singer with talent like that. And the devil told him, I can make that, I can make you that too.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How disturbing is that? That's pretty darn disturbing. But you know what? I totally believe it. You know, He, of, he of course, did not
0: take such deal, which it's a very good thing. And, and that's made me the, the stories, I grew up with stories like this, so it's been common knowledge for me that the devil will make deals. And I never really put much stock into it as what? as it can happen to anybody until he attempted to make a deal with me.
1: Oh, really? Do tell. Um,
0: beginning of this job, I my basically my job, I cut trim on a table saw, so it's a flat table saw. And it's a blade. It's a very sharp blade. And from time to time, I have to lift the guard up to correct a, a pattern or something like that, or to clean it out or something like that. And with it running, you almost don't see it. If you're looking dead on it with the guard up, you almost don't see that blade. And it's more of the the taunting. He started taunting at first, and it's more of just, just grab a hold of it. Grab a hold of it. Just, just grab it and a couple of weeks of this and i'm like i right, i'm done that's enough you know i'm i'm standing as a man in faith with authority from christ go away leave me yeah. be and um basically he he came to me and he said fine i'll make you a deal if you grab that blade i'll i'll heal your hand and i had this thought of excuse me that's a little out of your scope of, of, of abilities there, Pedro. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a, a conflict of the moment. And I begun to pray standing where I was at. And, uh, it's, it's got a good turnaround to him attempting to make this deal of grab it. And I'll heal your hand because I, I felt the Holy spirit speak to me. And he said, fine, I will remind him of his place, grab it. And I said, huh? <laughs> Uh, A few moments of me looking like, basically, if I was in the room with God, I'd be looking at him like, have you lost your mind? And finally, to the point of, fine. Faith it is. And with three people standing around me, I reached over there and grabbed it. And all I heard was, yank, yank, yank of the saw trying to spin with it in my fingers. As it stopped. Wow. And I looked at that saw blade for a minute. I was looking at it for a minute and everybody's like, dude, that saw just seized on your hand. I said, no, no, no. It didn't seize on my hand. My hand is not hurt. I just grabbed a hold of this thing. And I do not work with very godly men. Most of these guys are not believers at all. And they looked me dead in the face and said, there is no way. And I let go of it and they saw that my hand was fine and I have not been bothered since about that saw blade, but that is a moment that I didn't do squat. I'm not special in any way. It was just, I was tormented long enough with it, doing what I knew to do, standing, resisting, that kind of thing. And I, I was used to let a miracle happen and I give praise and glory to God for that every every time I look at that saw yeah and it is just wildly
1: amazing well another thing though is if if you read I think it's the book of Matthew hang on well when Jesus was uh, spent 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, the yeah. devil was trying to tempt him. He was Absolutely. trying to make deals with them. You know? Yeah.
0: If and, and the biggest thing to that, and I was listening to a minister about that uh just last night, actually, a new series that I started listening to from uh, a minister I I've met personally. Um he was talking about the fact that when Jesus went into the wilderness like that, he hadn't been baptized yet. So his ministry technically had not begun yet. He wow. was still to the point of, I've not been anointed. Right. Thing, thing, you know, certain things have not taken place yet that are extremely valuable and important to what is what in my ministry and the biggest thing is why do you just roll this in your head for a minute chris why would the devil use specific wording if thou be the son of god
1: mm.
0: it sounded like he was trying to give him a crisis of faith right like you're trying make to get him give out of himself absolutely absolutely you're trying to make jesus who emptied himself and or uh, another book of the bible says set aside his his own deity his, his power, his, his divine essence. He set mm-hmm. it aside to come to be a man, to pave the way, to show us the fact that we as men can do the things that he's done. That's what a lot of people forget. A lot of people say, oh, well, he's the son of God, but he came as a man.
1: Mm.
0: When Jesus came to his own, his own hometown, he couldn't do anything for anybody there because yeah. he walked into town and they said, oh, well, that's just Mary and Joseph's boy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They they wouldn't receive him as the son, as 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 a minister, as a prophet, as the son of God. They could he couldn't do anything for him because of that, because they're like, oh, well, yeah, we know him, whatever.
1: It is what <laughs> it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. OK, whatever. And it's wild to me that getting back to the, the devil tempting him. He specifically used those words. You can look that up. Uh, I think it's Matthew, what, 4? Yeah, like yeah. That?
1: I'm actually looking at it now. I, I Googled it while you were talking. Uh, Matthew oh. chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Talks, that's the whole passage. Um, yeah, um,
0: confirm, confirm that wording. Every time, the three times that Jesus is tem- that the devil tempts Jesus, he says, if thou be oh, the here. Son of God.
1: I'll, I'll read you the passage. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, yep, tell these stones to become bread. Chapter four or verse four, Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God. There he goes. He says it again just like you, you know, just just like the point you were making. Uh, he said, "Throw yourself down for it is written he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone." Jesus answered Jesus answered him, "It is also written, do not put your Lord to the Lord your God to the test." Verse 8. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and this is this is this is the From here on to the end of the passage is what really like speaks to me because it talks about, you know, the real what can you really get if you make a deal with the devil? What is it that 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 he is offering you? Listen to this. Verse eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor, not just all the kingdoms, but all their riches, all their splendor. You know, he says, all this I will give to you. If you will bow down and worship me. See, in that part, he doesn't say if you are the son of God. He just says all this I will give to you if you bow down and worship me. Yeah, but he tried tried to make a deal. See, that's
0: him trying to make a deal. So that is biblical proof in the scripture that Uh the devil will make a deal. The biggest thing that I have learned, uh, especially listening from ministers and learning, is if you believe in it, good, great, fantastic. Show me the scripture back it up back yeah. it up
1: well i'd say this. even is if it's it just right one now.
0: that yeah. backs up my belief and i've
1: i never thought about it that way and i never looked at it till now uh um, that no I, i'm in total belief. agreement with you i'm in total agreement with you the devil you know you know he's he's the master deceiver he's called that for a reason right jesus calls him that Yeah, you know, but here's how we respond to that. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord, your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him and the angels attended to him. So, yes, you know, what good is it? And Jesus says this. Okay, maybe it's not in this passage that Jesus says this, but he is quoted saying somewhere I'll have to Google it. I'll have to look it up. But he is, you know, what good is having all these riches and stuff if you lose your soul? You know, yeah. you can't take all this stuff with you. You yeah, know, it's worthless. It's, this stuff is going to be meaningless and worthless once we cross over to the other side. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So and that that is one of the
0: wildest things. And something else I want to bring about this. Um, I, I have a unique style to my faith I'm more deist mm-hmm. in in my thinking um I have a cousin who is Norse pagan I do not shame him for that mm-hmm. I do not because those 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 are proper christian things to do not to shame someone for believing differently but to show them the light if they receive it they receive it if they do not right. it's not our
1: fault right shake your shake your the dust off your sandals you know yeah. is. Yeah, pretty metaphorically, much. what you're talking about, and that's yeah. Written but I've had
0: I've had great conversations with him, but I've always had the standpoint of I will respect the fact that you believe differently to me. And a lot of Christians today, a lot of people who confess Christ, let me put it that way, a lot of people who confess Christ are not that way. I believe that it's wrong because the Bible says. Uh, the the first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that is extremely important um, but I do not shame others for the way they believe especially if they believe in other deities but I will say with hoodoo and voodoo mm-hmm. I do not believe that as a religion personally this is my opinion getting into my opinion I don't see it as a religion because of the way that it's set up, the way that things are described and talked about. Now, this this entity, Legba, Mm -hmm. is also known as a shapeshifter, which Ah. is kind of interesting. And he refers to himself as the devil. Voodoo and voodoo do not have a devil. They have light spirits, dark spirits, this spirit, that spirit, green, blue, yellow,
1: purple, whatever okay that was wild um that was so crazy okay for those for those listening go ahead Gideon explain what happened because I'm just I, like Holy I, I
0: was <laughs> in the middle of giving some profound revelation that I just had and the entirety of everything just crashed the recording stopped and all kinds of mess um We're having technical difficulties up
1: the yin yang on this one. Um, well, I mean, we, I, you're coming in loud and clear. I assume I'm coming in loud and clear on your end. And, you know, my Wi Fi is fine. I assume yours is. Yeah, mine's fine. Everything, there's no reason why that should have happened.
0: It's not even raining or anything. It's, it's nice and still sunshiny outside, man.
1: It is completely clear and sunshiny where I'm at.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> that that's so why creepy <laughs> the, the only thing that I have to say is apparently the the devil is angry.
1: Well, you know what? Let him be angry because we are men of faith. And, you know, we could talk about we could talk about this or praise our God any way we want to. You Absolutely. Know? He does not have dominion over us. You know, he cuts our, our feet off again. We'll just turn it right back on the way we just did. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. You know, that's my
0: attitude. I agree. If if the feed anyway, cuts out again passionate I'm, about that. If the feed cuts out again, I'm gonna reach over here and grab my Bible and start making them even worse. But the Oh
1: my gosh. That was that was crazy. Okay, we've had that our freak so crazy. out crazy. We've had our freak out moment now. Um but, so yes, that's the uh, that's the legend of Robert Johnson from <laughs> Hazelhurst, Mississippi. Yeah, no, I'm not done with that one. Hold up, I'm not done with that one. <laughs> All right, yeah, keep let's um, keep this the, going. The
0: last bit that I had is the fact that in Hoodoo and Voodoo, Legba is known as a shapeshifter, which is kind of interesting. And he calls himself the devil when Hoodoo and Voodoo don't really have a devil. But right. but. We know somebody who does call himself the devil loves to make deals and is more than willing to 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 keep you and kill you before you can find God and get mm. yourself right. And drum roll, please. That would be our adversary, the former angel now wallowing dog beneath our heel, as the Bible says, underfoot and in the ground. Satan. Loves that's to right. make deals, and he wants to keep you and trap you.
1: That's right. And, you know, why does he want to do that? Because he hates you. That's it. He hates you, he hates God, and he wants to destroy everything God that's created. Yep. That's why. Yep. So. That's that's the whole reason he's in the mess
0: he's in. You'd think he'd have learned by now.
1: Oh, uh, no. No. <laughs> I, I, no. Guess but, I guess not. But. guess <laughs> not. But I
0: I personally subscribe to the theory that Robert Johnson made a deal with the devil.
1: Yes, I agree with that one.
0: I I personally believe that. I agree wholeheartedly. Because I have biblical scripture that backs up the fact that the devil will make deals. I have personal life accounts. I've dealt with it myself at this point. My father dealt with Mm -hmm. it more than once, apparently, from what he's told me. Um, I've been tempted. Yeah, uh... We've all been tempted in some form or fashion to make a deal.
1: I I received an email and I didn't think the Illuminati did this but it's from a representative of the Illuminati basically trying to get me to join and I wasn't derogatory with them or I mean the the whole offer just kind of pissed me off and at first I thought it was kind of like a troll so I was just like okay yeah the Illuminati doesn't do this but um you know I if they recruit people, they don't, they don't go actively recruiting people. So I thought it was kind of sketch to begin with. Oh yeah. But, um, but the whole offer just kind of pissed me off. I was like, really, are you serious? You're going to offer me that. Cause I, I get pretty passionate about my faith, you know? And I, I just get, I'm, I get, I get wound up a little bit. I get a little, a little fiery. And, you know, if somebody comes to me with that, I'm apt to, to say, you know, go pound sand in not so nice words. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just my passion for, you know, for my faith. And, but in this case, I was, I, I said, after careful consideration, I will respectfully decline your offer, but thank you. And <laughs> That was it. But, you know, I just, I think about that and I'm just like, like, how dare they whoever that is offer me something like that or try to get me to to do something like that or it might even been something to create kind of a gateway you know for me to make a deal with the devil yeah and I'm like no I, I shut it down real quick you know so that's my uh that's my turning the devil down story
0: <laughs> and it's always good to have one yeah. Now, I got but, my first story is a little strange. Um, it is called The Most Peculiar Mississippi Urban Legend. Okay. So, basically, this is basically about a disease. So, in the 1950s, there was a apparently supposedly a disease called mercratitis. That, that apparently popped up in the 50s in a, in a single small Mississippi town. According to the mm-hmm. legend, men and only men could get mercratitis by ingesting large amounts of lead from paint. And this disease supposedly would cause a man to secrete a chemical in his sweat that caused women nearby to descend into a homicidal rage end quote whoa uh apparently supposedly women that were usually very loving friendly kind sweet nice would just see this man get a whiff of his pheromones and then immediately go into i'm gonna kill you um allegedly the first case of this disease mercurititis occurred in Europe in the 1400s. And it began with a local man who was chased by half a dozen women through a seaside village uh, during the winter in, in, the De- in the December month. In a desperate attempt to evade these women, he jumped into the water with the temperature being below freezing. Without hesitation wow. or regard for their own safety, The women apparently followed him and just dove head first. Every single one of them. It said that he... That is wild. It said that supposedly he and all of the female attackers drowned in the water and died. So they all died. In the 1950s, apparently this frightening disease made its way to a small town in Mississippi. No one can agree Mm -hmm. and or find the specific town that the outbreak occurred in, but apparently several men ingested large amounts of lead, and not long after the men consumed Mm -hmm. the lead, local women began to wreak havoc and riot. And their entire goal was to kill every man they could find.
1: Wow. uh it's deemed as an urban legend sounds very familiar to sounds very familiar to wicker man kinda
0: it, it's it's ever see- i have i've never seen it but i'm under i kind of i've heard a little bit um basically this outbreak of Mercurititis is deemed as an urban legend by many many people and apparently it's supposedly much more than that and the scientific medical community have a theory that their predecessors covered it up. So they're talking about an internal scientific medical cover-up. Since they couldn't come up with a cure or an explanation for the mysterious illness at that time, that's supposedly why. Um, Apparently there were many, many officials that were interested in this and it's even seen a revive in the last 10 years of the medical community looking at this again supposedly it was they theorized that it was uh caused by ingesting lead paint lead paint mostly because one of the the lead and something in the paint would mix and then mix with the hormones of the body supposedly and when you sweat it out it secretes this smell that triggers the abdulla oblongata in the brain and sends the brain into a absolute fight-or-flight rampage response and supposedly this mercurititis the only way to cure it that can be found is to put the subjects down. Wow. <sighs> that is I don't know that if that is cuckoo... so wild. I don't know if that's cuckoo for cocoa puffs bull or that's that's just weird enough to be accurate. But I'm I'm kind of starting to lean toward the cuckoo for cocoa puffs because I mean with the way 2021 and 2022 was is going, I I could kind of see, you know, the front news. Murder Hornets, Mercratitis.
1: Mm. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> Last year was wild, man. <laughs> we had murder hornets twice.
1: I saw a meme of like this it was this 80s band in yellow and black uh spandex. <laughs> it's like the 80s hair band, you know, how they wore spandex. Yeah motley crew looking you know where but it was yellow and black <laughs> spandex and it was like murder hornets on tour this summer oh my know. god that's Pretty like
0: hilarious. 90s british invasion style kind of stuff because i mean like the british <laughs> invasion of the 80s and 90s came up with i mean we had bands like the sex pistols come on how unoriginal of a
1: name the sex pistols yeah
0: or meanwhile uh, uh. The one British invasion that actually did manage to stick around and is a cult classic now, which I don't know why. Pink Floyd, which n- named themselves I after. I could
1: never get it. Thank you. I could never get into Pink Floyd. You know what the you first know, thing? Some people that I know freaking love it. I, I'm just like, how? It's so boring. It, it is. Hey, I think their songs are boring. Hey, teach <laughs> Leave them kids alone is like the only part
0: I know of any of their songs. They play
1: it all the time. Yeah.
0: And the funny thing about that is, I don't know if you know this or not, Chris, but how they got their name. Apparently they were sitting in the room. Yeah, no, I have no idea. They were sitting in the cover label room flipping through a magazine and got to the back of the magazine to the um, <clears throat> adult toy section. And they had one called Floyd's Pankist. And they said, Pink Floyd, there we go. (laughs) So they named themselves after a dildo. (laughs) And to make things worse, to make things worse, it was supposedly the first vibrating
1: appliance on the market. So Pink Floyd named themselves after the first vibrator. Yeah. Pretty much. That's hilarious. Pretty much. (laughs) That's hilarious because I can't stand Pink Floyd. <laughs> I bet a lot of people listening now are. Come on, guys! You can't stand Pink. Don't talk smack about Pink Floyd.
0: I, you know what? I, I will I, in half. <laughs> if
1: they make better music. I could. I could. Yeah, thank you. My, and I my, will continue. My
0: biggest thing is I, I, I have a, a section of movies and music that I call Stoner. Like uh, that movie Friday. That, that was the stupidest movie in the world to me. Everybody I know loves that movie. It's so funny. It's so famous. Ah, it's a stoner comedy to me because I have to be stoned to laugh at that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Pink Floyd, mm. you've got a song like I've Become Comfortably Numb. I mean, dude sitting there talking about mm. heroin. That is not fun. I'm sorry. No. Music makes me want to want to want to get in a better mood, it makes me want to dance, it wants makes me want to sing along. I don't want to talk about shooting heroin up between You're my to toes. something from it. Exactly. Yeah. Not I not agree. the the only thing that Pink Floyd has ever made me is one of their songs, "Numb." <laughs> 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 Meanwhile, I was never allowed to listen to my favorite band as as a as a kid and as a teenager um my favorite band is actually from that that era and that would be uh uh the night rangers night ranger because oh, okay my parents hated them they were terrible my mom was in the hair band scene and stuff like that when she was younger when they started coming out and all she grew up in that she said she and my my best friend's mother agreed that The only people who who like Night Ranger are so high out of their mind, they can't understand what they're saying. It's like I'm offended by that. I like (laughs) Night Ranger and my my best friend's mother. I love that woman to death. She looked at me and she said, no, no, you don't. No, you don't like. But they have such great songs, you know, Sister Christian. uh, Don't tell me you love me. I mean, Mm -hmm. that one, I will blare that in my truck because it's funny to me. I've had plenty of women I've looked at and said, please don't tell me you love me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, That's funny. But I mean, and then I, ended no, up I like getting Queen. into that. I've always I've always liked Queen. Yeah, Queen's always
0: great. I Guitar Hero got me into Queen. Um got me into A C D C too, which that was to my, my parents' detriment at that point. My parents hate A C D C and then kiss. Oh, I was never allowed to listen to Kiss growing up in a religious household in a, in a in a pastor's household. No, right. no, 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 no. Kiss. You know what Kiss stands for? Kiss stands for Knights in Satan's service. I'm like,
1: where did that come from? Even though they're all even though they're all Jewish. Are they? Yeah. Yeah, they're all Jewish. <laughs> you didn't know that? <laughs> it's kind of yeah, it's like everybody knows that. Yeah, they're all Jewish. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: that's the whole thing. That's what. That's what that. makes that knights and Satan service so funny is because they're all Jewish.
0: I never <laughs> knew that.
1: <laughs> yeah, they are. Look it up. Here, you know, what? I'm gonna just to make sure I'm gonna fact check myself. They're all, they're all Jewish. <laughs> oh. I'm telling you, they're Jews from like Brooklyn. Oh or, no, no, no. Oh Wait, please, please. If on. there's
0: a God above, let that be. Let that be true. Oh,
1: that'd be so funny. Oh. KISS was a hard rock group, one of the most successful during the second half of the nineteen seventies, early eighties. The group's two founding members, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, are both Jewish. Yes. <laughs> and both were sons of Holocaust survivors. <laughs> oh my god. So yeah, I don't know about I don't know about Peter Chris and you know and Ace Freely, but Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley are Jewish the two main central characters of kiss. Yeah. (laughs) Now I'm going to, now when I bring kiss up, matter of fact, it says here, it says here, they were, they were sons of Holocaust survivors. You can't get any more Jewish than Holocaust survivors. Oh,
0: oh man. (laughs) Next time, uh, next time, I mean, next time I bring kiss up to my parents and they start ragging on kiss and start talking about knights (laughs) and Satan service. I'm going to look at them and say, quit picking on the children of, of Holocaust survivors. (laughs) i i legitimately didn't know that that's wild (laughs) oh my that is so funny to me oh man oh that's great that
1: is called irony that (laughs) yeah that's the biggest irony (laughs) thing it's like the dictionary definition of irony they're known as like they're a lot of and i've heard the knights and satan's service i've heard that a lot You know, I I mean, who hasn't heard that? Yeah, right. I mean, once you really get in there, it's like, wait a minute, they're a bunch of Jews.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's that's amazing. Uh, It's hilarious. Oh, man. Oh, that's great. Oh, take it away with your next story.
1: Take it away with the next story. Well, Robert Johnson was the only one I had, but since I am a Google King, a Google let's King, look up some. Hey, let me know if. Hey, <laughs> let me know if I come across something that. You have.
0: <laughs> Here's one for you. But the exact <laughs> definition of irony is the man who founded AA asking for a glass of whiskey on his deathbed. Oh, wow. That's that's a true fact. Okay, well, you're searching Google Boxing. I got one. I know. Let's go, go with me again, right? It's called... The, yeah, go again. The Witch Dance of the Nazis Trace. Oh, this sounds awesome. So... There's a poem that even goes about this. It's called The Witch by Jack Prelutsky. She comes by night in fearsome flight and garments black as pitch, the queen of doom upon her broom, the wild and wicked witch, a cackling crone with, bris- with brittle bones and desiccated limbs, to evil eyes with warts and styes and bags about the rims, a dangling nose, ten twisted toes and fold of shriveled skin, cracked and chipped and cracked lips that, a frame, that frame a toothless grin. She hurtles by, sweeping the sky, and hurls a piercing screech. As she swoops past, a spell is cast, and all her curses reach. Take care to hide when the wild witch rides to shriek her evil spell. What she may do with a word or two is much too grim to tell. And that's the end of the poem. Um, apparently, just south of Tupelo, Mississippi.
1: That's, that uh, poem. Uh-huh. That poem is creepy.
0: Uh, that, uh, yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, just south of Tupelo, Mississippi, is a sign on the Natchez Trace Parkway, which reads, The Witch Dance. The very name conjures visions: swirling black capes, eerie moonlight in a shadowed forest, and a cauldron of bubbling potion over a roaring fire. Was it so? Local legends say yes. Though the site serves as a campground today, tales of danger have persisted for centuries, allegedly making it one of the most haunted places in the Magnolia State. The original inhabitant? Uh, inhab- yes, yes. Um. The old folks say the witches once Dom,
1: listen, this is this is intriguing.
0: Yeah, the old folks say the witches Sorry. once gathered here to dance and that wherever their feet touched the ground the ground, the grass withered and died, never to grow again. Impossible? Maybe so, but look around. Look for a hidden spot where no grass grow where no grass is found. That is the, the sign. So the wow. original habit inhabitants of the area were the hope well were of the Hopewell culture, which were Mm -hmm. comprised of groups of related bands who flourished from about 200 B.C. to 500 A.D. Many of their descendants would join the Chickasaw and the Choctaw tribes. The superstition and mysteries of the trace are as old as these earliest known inhabitants. Native American lore tells that the Hopewell Indians escaped to the area during oppressive times in Mexico. Carrying the bones of their ancestors with them, many of these bones became part of the great mounds that were built in the area of Natchez. The Paleo-Indian groups first inhabited the area around Witch Dance and was responsible for constructing the Bynum Mounds, located between Witch Dance and Houston, Mississippi. According to legend, their leader carrying a sacred bag and a medicine stick and accompanied by a white dog guided them in their journey each night the leader would plant the medicine stick in the ground and they would make, they would encamp in that place during their stay <clears throat> excuse me the pole would alter its position a signal that it was time to continue their journey whichever way it pointed the people followed the white dog would lead them to berries and food along the way Eventually, the stick pointed straight up, indicating that they had arrived at their new home. The people buried the bones of their ancestors in mounds, which would grow larger over the years. Two of the men in this group were brothers, named Chata and Chickasaw. Some, time later, the brothers discovered that the land could not support all the people that they had brought. Chickasaw took half of the people and departed north, and eventually became the, Ch- the Chickasaw tribe. Ch- chata, i think it's how that's pronounced chata and the others remained. Choctaw. chata thank you and yes the others remained near the mound and they sure. are now known as the choctaw <laughs> tribe perhaps because the area was already steeped in legend and superstition by the native our native brethren witches later became to began to gather at the place which is now called Witch Dance for nighttime ceremonies. Celebrating and improving their, quote, abilities, end quote, they would feast and dance through the night. Lore of the old men say that it has that, has it that there were, wherever their feet touched the ground during their dances, the grass would wither and die and never grow again. Who were these witches, Who these witches were, or from where they came, remain as a mystery. The Chickasaw and the Choctaw Indians in the area immediately began to avoid the scorched patches of ground. During the War of 1812 and the Creek War that followed, Andrew Jackson often traveled up and down the Natchez Trace. Though there is no indication that he feared the spots, they were interesting enough that he recorded them in his personal journal um they have stories about the hart brothers which were two very famous travelers and trappers uh they were perplexed at these um these spots but they were more worried about thieves and killers along the way um joseph thompson hare and samuel wolfman manson were the hart brothers oh good lord who off, they often robbed and killed along the trace were described as remorseless butchers and damned for eternity mm. to walk the streets of notch saws, notches. The brothers were probably insane. Uh, they murdered on little to no context at all. Uh, on one occasion, Big Harp mm. killed Major John Love merely because he snored too loudly in the night. Uh, They were also known to dismember and eat their victims. Um, Apparently, just before, just after his, just prior to his death, Big Harp was traveling the Natchez Trace with an Indian guide who showed him the bare spots in the ground, told him the legend of the witch's dance. The Big Harp only scoffed at this and began to leap from burnt spot to burnt spot, daring the witches to come out and fight him. Of course, nothing happened, at least not at that moment. Eventually, Big Heart made his way back to Kentucky, where he was tracked down by a posse in August of 1799. In revenge for his wife, who had been murdered by the brothers, one of the men severed his head, nailed it to a tree, and later the skull was said to have been removed by a witch, ground into powder, and used as a potion to heal a relative. Word soon got around And when travelers retold the story along the trace, they would swear they could hear cackling laughter coming from the nearby bushes and trees. Today, these scorched spots can still be seen and still nothing grows in their place. Many people in the area can continue to avoid the place called Witch Dance and even fear being close to it. But at the same time, it is a national wildlife park and it can be camped and slept in if you dare.
1: Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> that I, is seriously a crazy story. I, I thought so. <laughs> it's like the craziest stuff is coming from Mississippi. It seems that way. I don't know, Louisiana was pretty interesting. Uh Louisiana is interesting, don't get me wrong, but Alabama I don't know. Mississippi's just there's something eerie about Alabama was creepy. Alabama was just wildly <laughs> creepy.
0: I mean it was the goatman yeah. thing that did it for me.
1: Oh yeah, the goat man was that was yeah.
0: <laughs> still bothers me. And the thing is, I can't wait till we get to Wisconsin and Oklahoma
1: uh-huh. because I
0: found more. You
1: found more goatman. Just oh, goatmen about more oh, goatmen well, stories. That's a, maybe that's a phenomenon that just doesn't get talked about much is the goatmen thing. Oh, you got no idea. <laughs> All right, well, I got uh, I found one, um, one of Hit the it, most Fergie. haunted houses in America. Hit it, Fergie. <laughs> You ever hear? Do you hear her sing? Try to sing the national anthem at the basketball game. That was hilarious. no, I did That was years ago. Oh my god, she was trying to do this like this old school, really old school, jazzy, you know, type of singing to it, and it just sounded hilarious. Look it up. Look up Fergie sings national anthem, and yeah, it's on YouTube. And I, I will basketball have to. players are trying not to laugh at her. I'll have to. All right. Well, this is called the. <laughs> This is called the McRaven House. It was built in seventeen ninety seven by Andrew Glass in a town called Walnut Hills. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, hold on. I gotta burst your bubble. I don't think it's I don't think it's Andrew Glass from Revenant. I'm not sure. No,
0: I gotta burst your bubble there. I'm sorry, Chris. I um, Uh burst the bubble. I I messed up last episode because it's on the Uh the McRaven house is apparently on a river that borders uh, that flows through Kansas and I got it all mixed up and did that one last, last episode. Oh, <laughs> we already did the McRaven house, but if, well, if, if you can find something else, go for it. If you can find anything else,
1: I did that, find the singing. I did I that found one. Something too. that's that. I, okay. The singing river. You did that. Yeah, one? I did that one too. Pascagoula. Okay. Uh, yep. Okay. Well, let me keep looking. All right. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. No, no, it's okay. I should have been more prepared, and that is my fault. I will acknowledge that. Nah, it's okay. How about the Hanging Ghost of Stucky's Bridge? Go for it. I haven't done that one. I found okay. that one, but I did In I the 19th... It. Okay. Okay. In the 19th century, Stucky, a member of the vicious Dalton gang, began operating in Meridian, Mississippi. He lured in travelers, robbing them, murdering them, and dumping their bodies into the Chunky River. But he was caught, and after the bridge was built in 1850, Stucky was hanged from its beams. It is said that his ghost can sometimes be seen swinging from the bridge, the spirit of Stucky occasionally appears along the river as well and has even angrily pushed people into the water. Whoa. All right. Huh? Let me, uh, let me try and look up more sources for this. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently his ghost, if you're if his ghost is like wandering the banks of the river around this bridge where he was hanged. This guy named Stucky. Um, who was a member of the vicious Dalton gang. Um but yeah, it, it real it sounds real outlawy, you know, outlawy. Uh <laughs> sounds like he was part of a big outlaw gang, you know, robbing people. Um and he was hanged from this bridge. He haunts the bridge. He haunts the banks around the bridge and it is said he's been the his ghost has been known to push people into the river. Wow. Okay. That is crazy. Hang on, let me try and see if I can find more sources for this. The Hanging Ghost of Stuckey Bridge is that what it's called? The Hanging Ghost of Stuckey's Bridge. It's called Stuckey's Bridge. Hmm. Stuckey's Bridge. Not bridges. That's my last name. Bridge. Just single bridge. Okay. Stuckey's Bridge is a bridge spanning the Chunky River outside of Meridian, Mississippi. Uh, the bridge was listed as a Mississippi landmark on August 4th, 1984 and added the National Register of Historic Places. Wow. That's cool. Uh, legends. According to legend, a member of the Dalton game named, named Stucky owned a nearby inn where he would rob and murder his guests and bury his his bodies on the riverbank. Whoa. This just got a whole lot deeper. <laughs> the legend says that after murdering 20 people, Stucky was finally caught and hanged from the newly constructed bridge located on the site of his murders. So, okay. He owned this in people would come to him and, you know, Hey, set me up for the night. I'm passing through. Got to get some sleep, blah, blah, blah. He would say, okay, here's the fee Blah da doom. Here's the key to your room. And then he would, and then he would kill these people, his guests and bury him by this river. Um, Yeah, bury his victims on the riverbank. And after... The legend says that after murdering 20 people... He was like a serial killer. So (laughs) after murdering 20 people, Stucky was finally caught and hanged from the newly constructed bridge located on the site of his murders. Whoa! Rumors of Stucky haunting the bridge arose as well as claimed sightings of an old man carrying a lantern along the river's edge. That is creepy! loud splashes that supposedly represent Stucky's body hitting the water after his noose was cut, and visions of his lifeless corpse hanging from the bridge. Wow. Well, you know, I just said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm in Mississippi for no reason whatsoever. I have a fishing pole. I'm going to go fishing in this river, and holy crap, what is that? You know? Yeah, right. Stucky's, Stucky's bridge was one... Uh, was one of the featured haunted locations on the paranormal TV series, Most Terrifying Places in America, which aired on the Travel Channel in 2018 in a special episode uh, titled Haunted Road Trips. I'm going to have to check that out. This is a wild story, Gideon. Yes, I completely agree. I just happened to stumble across this one. (laughs) Mm, that is mm, okay okay so an old serial killer haunts this bridge that he was hung from hanged from rather and uh no hung is correct it doesn't it well it doesn't say anything about the pushing people into the water like it does on this one site on ranker.com it talks about Uh, Let's see. The spirit of Stucky occasionally appears along the river as well and has even angrily pushed people into the water. Wow. That sounds about right. I mean, it fits the profile. It it does. It does. I got to go watch this episode of of Haunted Road Trips. Yes. Or Most Terrifying Places in America. And the episode is called Haunted Road Trips. I'm going to have to check that out. That's crazy. But the eerie thing is, though, that whole just that thinking about that whole image of of him walking along the river's edge, carrying a lantern. Yeah, that's (laughs) creepy. uh, That's a go home. (laughs) That's you're fishing in the wrong river, dude. Yeah, right. Right. (laughs) And next thing you know, you see that and then you get pushed into the river.
0: I, I'll have looking to looking around the going, who pushed me? I'll have to find the story again, but there's a, I found a story of a guy uh, who was fishing along a, a river in Mississippi and pulled up a lit lantern. A lit lantern out of the water? Yeah. Like Whoa. like an old style cowboy lantern. Like pulled it out of the water and it was lit. Which is
1: impossible. That's crazy. Yeah, well, that's what I'm, I'm trying to imagine what that would even look like, a perfectly wet lantern that, you know, that is lit. Yeah, that would be
0: kind of interesting. <laughs> but do you have any anything else you want to add or say
1: or throw in here? No, no, just that, you know, just I'm shocked that one's that one threw me for a loop. I'm just like, yeah, I'm trying to take all that one. In. That one in that was just like, whoa.
0: Yeah, that one threw me too. that was <laughs>
1: wild. It's old Mississippi for you.
0: Yeah, pretty much. But, um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and throw out our plugs, our shameless plugging at the end of the episode. Um, We have a Facebook, which is The Burning Veil. We have uh, a Twitter, which is at Veil Burning. We have um, an email, which is The Burning Veil Podcast at Gmail. And I've been thinking about doing maybe an Instagram, but I, I don't know. I don't really like that. I don't really like Instagram. But
1: Instagram is so, I mean, it's hard to do, but it's just, I don't know. For podcasting, it's, I don't know if it, a, a I don't lot know of, if that platform goes well with podcasting. It a goes lot of well people with a, a lot it. of things. A lot of people do it. Yeah. A lot of people okay. do it. Well, I say, why not then?
0: Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know but um yeah hit us up we're on spotify you know anchor definitely our our anchor plug <laughs> but uh yeah anchor give us some feedback give <laughs> us some thoughts
1: ideas suggestions stories we're we're good with it all yes um hey we're all about interaction too yes. you know if you want to throw a throw a story out there at us you know we'll definitely you know do our research and and you know, talk about it and you know, of course, we're gonna give you a shout out as well. You know Absolutely. This yeah. story comes from this story comes from I don't know, this dude in Delaware or wherever it is you're from or whatever your name is. So Yeah. yeah. Um but yeah, definitely contact us. You know, we'd love to we'd love to hear from you. I agree. Absolutely. But so. all right. This has been another
0: episode of Burning Veil Podcast.